KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington, it's the Northwest Now podcast. Each week, we take a closer look at the people and issues that affect all of us here in Western Washington. So sit back, relax, and join the conversation with your host, Tom Lason. It is one of the South Sound's crown jewels, the Port of Tacoma. With 42,000 jobs related to port activity, its role in driving this area's economy just cannot be overstated. And that's why we're focusing on the port tonight on Northwest Now. The port's analysis shows that it generates $3 billion in labor income and more than $100 million in state and local taxes. The port was founded in 1918 and owns about 2,500 acres on Tacoma's tide flats. In 2014, the Port of Seattle and Tacoma entered into the Northwest Seaport Alliance in an effort to stop competing against each other and instead compete against the other ports up and down the West Coast. The most recent read of the preliminary data for 2022 shows container volume falling 8%. International imports and exports were down by an average of 16%. Another interesting trend is the reduction in the share of total West Coast container traffic in 2022, down from 11.9% and now standing at about 11.3%. With that said, looking ahead, all the trend lines are expected to head back up as long as we don't dip into a more serious than expected recession. Joining us now is the longest-serving member of the Port of Tacoma Commission. Dick Marzano is a former Ilwu Local 32 president who's been working with the port in one form or another for 52 years. He was first elected to the Port Commission in 1995. Dick, thanks so much for coming to Northwest Now. We were talking earlier. I was at a meeting earlier this year with you, and I was taking notes, and I was saying to myself, my gosh, there's a lot going on down there at the port. We need to do a program about that, so here we are. I want to start with a little news, though. Sure. You have a long history with Ilwu, and that is starting to heat up a little bit down in Southern California. Apparently, we've been out of contract for about a year or so. Read the tea leaves. How is that going? Are we going to see problems? What are your thoughts on that? Well, one of the things that people have to understand is that the labor and management haven't had an agreement or haven't sat down for almost 10 years because they had a, uh, in their last contract, basically what they did is they just agreed to extend it. So there's a lot of things that both sides have to, you know, kind of cure and make sure it happens. Uh, it's been going on for about nine to 10 months right now. We've had contracts in the past that have lasted over a year. Uh, there's gonna be, you know, you read about the paper about the, some of the disruptions. Well, what happened was it was over Easter. So a lot of people on Good Friday and things of that nature. Uh, I'm optimistic they'll hopefully get something done within a month. Uh, it's time to have that happen. Um, some of the issues that I wanted to get to you with, like I said, in that note-taking process, we'll start first with competition. Um, this has been discussed um, for years that the West Coast ports eventually were going to face the widening of the Panama Canal and boats were just going to shoot straight through and pass yeah. us by. Well, here we are. It's actually happening. Um, it's no longer a discussion. How do we, uh, short of running a blockade on the, yeah. <laughs> on the Panama Canal, how do we compete with that? What's the answer? Well, one of the things that we did in 2015 is formed an alliance with the Port of Seattle. So we handle all of our uh, maritime cargo. Uh, and that helped us with regards to competing with Seattle for years. Our main competition right now is Canada. And part of the reason for that is the Canadian government, along with the railroad, have invested heavily building their ports up. Uh, we in the Port of Seattle and Tacoma on our gateway have invested close to a billion dollars, increasing our 
terminals to make sure that we can handle the larger vessels right now. And, and it's working. One of the things about the Panama Canal is that the bigger the vessels that are becoming right now, just about a year ago, they had one that blocked the Panama Canal and vessels were lost. It, it took almost uh, two weeks to get that done. So it's already on its way to being obsolete, maybe. Yeah, to some of the bigger vessels, what they're using is a wow. Wells Canal yeah. instead. So. Yeah, and I, I had a note here about super ships. I went out and shot a piece um, at the port a couple of years ago about the advent of super ships. Well, here they are. Um, but you just got the Corps of Engineers to say go ahead with a deepening project. Talk a little bit about some of the uh, infrastructure work that's taking place out at the port to support these massive ships. Right. Well, one of the things that we're blessed with in the Seattle-Tacoma area is we already have natural deep water. But what ends up happening with the bigger vessels is some of that water uh, and some of the uh, silk underneath gets cured up, so we need to have it a little bit deeper. We're working with the Corps of Engineers right now, waiting for Congress to help us so we can move forward. We have about a 53 to 55 depth right now. We want to get to 58 feet, and we hope to be doing that this year. You mentioned the Northwest uh, Marine, Marine Port Alliance, and um, I want to ask you a broader question about that. Um, has that worked out to be a good thing? The idea was to keep from cannibalizing each other, but then you also have silos and, and different commissioners and different boards. You know, there's always a, a potential for friction. When you look back now over the years that it's been in existence, is it net positive, net neutral? How do you feel about it? Well, one of the things that everybody prides themselves on what they, you know, ba basically where they are. So we're always going to have a little bit of competition right. among ourselves. But the underlying thing that we've all agreed to is what is good for the gateway. We've invested in Tacoma first and Husky Terminal, and now we're investing in, in Terminal 5 over in Seattle. And we're looking at the next investment we're going to make. And it has helped. And the reason being is that we were competing against each other. So if we want a customer, we want it. But what did we really win? Because we need to make money to further our investments. So, yeah. yeah, it is working. And, and the other thing, the half a billion dollars you spend in one place isn't something you've got to repeat to compete. No, that's an, that accrues to both 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 ports. Exactly. And yeah. it also helps our labor or, uh, unions, both in Seattle and Tacoma, because they have the ability to work at either port. One of the things uh, at this meeting we we're talking about the uh, Chain River of Commerce's actual uh, annual Horizons breakfast. Um, it was the first time I'd heard, I wasn't aware that they were talking about slowing down or stopping the completion of 167. I just about fell out of my chair um, because it, it's, gosh, it's so important to this area and this region and this economy. What is going on with that? H had you heard that before and what's happening? Yeah, what I had heard, it, there's a phase two of it. Phase one is right now uh, moving forward. Phase two, the governor wanted to hold off on that. Uh, luckily, the legislature said, no, we're going to move forward. They've, there was a $200 million gap. Uh, they finally came up with the money to do that. And one of the things that the Gateway Committee did, along with the Ports of Tacoma and Seattle, along with other cities that we all work together, we're contributing ourselves. Uh, the Port of Tacoma has committed $30 million towards that. So I, I'm optimistic. The glass keeps getting a little bit smaller, but I keep saying it's still half full. Uh, that is going to be moving forward. And you mentioned some of the work that started now with the... Um the move ahead legislation, the I-5 and the Port of Tacoma interchange. Right. What's happening with that? What's the time frame for that? And maybe talk a little bit for folks who don't follow this too closely, how that all ties. Eventually, what's the picture in your head about how that all ties together? Yeah, well, the I-5 corridor uh, is a choke point, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be done, hopefully, within the next year and a half to two years. Uh, 167, a little bit longer. We're looking at, I think it's 2028 for completion. Uh, but it's a big gateway to the Eastern Washington agriculture growers to be able to make sure they make their products to the port. Yeah, another another big piece of freight mobility too that's, um, 
problematic because both Seattle and Tacoma are, are, have a lot of property and a lot of things kind of pushed up against them. But you cannot offload 100 ships or just pick a number yeah. and have that stuff stack up coming off the boat and a bunch of stuff sitting there stacked up to go on the boat. There needs to be a place where you can stage that, do some planning, have the right on order, have the right off order, all that. And Maytown, that was looked at several years ago. That didn't work out. Um, ended up in some litigation yeah. and everything else. What is the plan now for off-port um, freight mobility um, infrastructure to help remove some of that friction where everybody's not jammed into the same place trying to stack things up? That's a great question. We have off-dock facilities right now, and we're also developing more. We need that to be able to move cargo off of the terminal so they can be on the off-dock where truckers and, and other uh, line drivers can get to that facility. We also have some uh, intermodal yards in uh, Idaho, Oregon, and in North Dakota where trucks are able to go to those facilities, put them on the rail, bring them to our ports area, which helps our exporting and our importing uh, it's moving more cargo off of the, I mean, off of the highways onto the rail. That's something. So they're staging freight and making plans for onboarding as far out as the Dakotas. Minot, North Dakota is where we have wow. one. Kellogg, Idaho. We have one in Oregon. Uh, we're looking for one over in eastern Washington to be able to move those products here. Anytime you move an intermodal train off of the uh, terminal, it's the equivalent of taking 250 trucks off the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the other pieces that relates to that, as I was interested to hear um, at this event, talking about all the heavy equipment that comes through the Port of Tacoma, which is great because, um, you know, it's high value. Um, it's, a, it's an export product, but it's also, it doesn't come in a box. Yeah. It is really difficult to probably, I would guess, to, to get, to make efficient use of the space on a basically a, a rectangular ship to get that moved. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of that, um, that kind of freight, what it's called, and, and is there any infrastructure improvements happening to kind of deal with that misshapen stuff a little yeah. bit? Yeah, it's, it's called break bulk cargo, and it's exactly what you said. It's cargo that cannot go into a container. Your D10s, your uh, hay balers, things of that nature. We're very happy that we're a diversified port where we not only handle that, we also handle automobiles. But our break bulk business had record year last year, and it continues to improve. We work with the Puyallup Tribe leasing part of their property so we can expand our what is called EB1. It's the terminal where our break bulk cargo goes. And it continues to increase, along with military movements that we mm -hmm. have out of the Port of Tacoma. We're a strategic port for the military. So it's things like that that help us stay focused and really move forward. Yeah. The strategic plan, I know that, um, I, I believe that's just been completed. Yeah. Um, part of that um, is a, a big piece that we talk about all the time on this program and in other events around um, here in the South Sound is workforce and workforce development. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about the role that non-degree jobs and um, an increase in internships and some of those things have in building a workforce that doesn't have to bomb up to 167 to, to get a job. Right. One of the things that we're proud of is, is that we realize that there's a lot of young adults that do not want to go to college or are not going to. We need uh, maritime skilled trades, and that's what we're developing right now. We have some internships right now in the Port of Tacoma, working with other employers to help increase that. Uh, one of the things that I've learned over the time that if you're a diesel mechanic or things of that nature, you can go any place in the world and get a job. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people out there that have that skill that just need some areas where they can develop and move forward. 
Yeah, and it's nice to do it in a mild climate. Diesel mechanicing yes. is, is yes, tough exactly. in Williston. It's yeah. not bad at the Port of Tacoma. Yeah, exactly. I'll just put that in there for you. Yeah, exactly. um, talk a little bit about the Tacoma Public Schools and the partnership there with the Marine um, Skills Center. What is that going to be? How does that look? How does it fit in? Yeah, we're looking right now at the Port of Tacoma for a new administration building. At the same time, we signed an agreement, an interlocal agreement with Tacoma Schools to help develop a skills center. Uh, we call it at Maritime 253, where the Tacoma Schools uh, all of Pierce County can be included where students can get firsthand knowledge of different trades and different things of that nature. Youth Marine Foundation is another one. Um, talk a little bit about that. And the reason I'm bringing all these up is that yeah. it, 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 there's, there's an integrated, um, I think, effort on the part of the port, which I think is great, to really do, to, to take a pretty big role in workforce development. Yeah, is it self-serving? Yes, absolutely. Um, but it helps all of us in Pierce County, like I said, because you don't have to jump in a car and drive north in order to get a decent job. So talk a little bit, too, about the Youth Marine Foundation, how that fits in. Yeah, it's, it's a great organization. Tom Rogers, who helped spearhead that thing, uh, and it gets people onto the water. Young kids, they just uh, bought a boat, I mean, a new ship, where they're able to now have 60 students on at a time, where before it was, it was a little bit lot less. And one of the things I would encourage people to go on the uh, Theophos Waterway and look at it, but these young kids being, you know, we're, we're blessed to have this water and all this natural uh, landscape that we have. And to be able to open the eyes of young high school kids and, and see that, it's, it's amazing. My number three thing that I was going to do when I was a kid was to go to Kings Point and get into oh, the yes. Merchant Marine yeah. and do that. Have you ever thought about a partnership with them at all or, or sending high school kids here who are on a degree pathway or anything? Is that anywhere in the strategic well, plan? Well, that's what the youth Marines sometimes, you know, gears up for. And there has been people that have gone there. So, yeah, we're looking at whatever we can do to help encourage that. It, it, it's a great career for young adults. I just thought I'd throw that out there as yeah. an idea for you. No, that's <laughs> great. That's um, last question for you. Sure. Strategically speaking, talk a little bit more about your strategic plan. What are what is the next big thing on the radar? You you brought the big term, you know, the big cranes in. You're doing some deepening. What is the next big thing the port really needs that you guys are setting your sights on over the course of the next decade or so? Boy, you know, it's really not one thing because it has to be a combination of everything. We're looking at where the next fully developed terminal can uh, can be. We're working with the Puyallup tribe and helping maybe look together in partnership in their uh, terminal, I mean, in their properties. Also, at the same time, transportation issues, infrastructure, working with the different city of five, city of Tacoma, so how we can best make this a better place that in 20 years, 30 years down the road, people will be saying they did the right thing. Yeah, and so those containers or the freight or whatever is on and off in a day as opposed to having to kind of linger. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've said many times that whether people know it or not, we're all in, uh, in international trade. Yeah. Whether it's the phone you use, the car you drive, things of that nature. So. And the traffic you're in on the highway, too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Dick, great conversation, man. You got through all those major points in a, in a, in a nice period of time. I so appreciate you coming to Northwest. Well, it was a now. pleasure being here. Another big focus of activity at the port revolves around environmental cleanups from the industrial operations of the past. And as Northwest Now contributor Steve Kiggins tells us, restoring habitat for fish and other wildlife on the tide flats. Before Tacoma could become the city of destiny, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers says old photographs and maps showed there may have been as many as 6,000 acres of marshes and tidelands surrounding the mouth of the Puyallup River. By the 1870s, trains were destined for Tacoma, Commerce was booming in the Washington Territory. It brought jobs and wealth and pollution. By 1999, there were less than 200 acres of those lands left, but now those numbers are growing. It's also about being a, a really good environmental steward, and the Port of Tacoma is really leading the way there. 
The trickling waters of Wapato Creek once again meander through wetlands and fish habitat. These restored acres are part of an advanced mitigation project, the Puyallup Tribe of Indians partnering alongside the Port of Tacoma. Not only are you restoring it to its original uh, shape and condition, but you're also creating flood capacity. So when we get these crazy, you know, 100-year storms and things like this, this will fill up like a bathtub and uh, retain flood water that normally would have been on the streets and things like that, and then meter it back out uh, into Commencement Bay. Here, Wapato Creek was once cut down into a roadside ditch. Now there's a bridge where culverts used to keep salmon from returning to spawn. Plus, thousands of new plants join mature trees along the shore. Taking it back to what it used to look like. Back when the port was born in 1918, it started on 240 acres. Here's what it looked like back in the 1950s. But ever since it started, it's grown tenfold. Since 1980, the port says it's preserved, constructed, or helped to mitigate 21 sites, filling 213 acres. Many of those projects highlighted in bright green on this map. Nearby Place of Circling Waters restores multiple habitats for salmon-bearing Hylobos Creek. The lessons Port of Tacoma learned here a decade ago became a blueprint for Wapato Creek and future projects already in the works. It's vindicating, it's gratifying, it's uh, so rewarding. You know, we can model this stuff, we can study this stuff, we can hope that the fish come back, but when you actually see them in the water and you see them jumping, and then you realize that they might be endangered, uh, fish that you're really trying to bring back, uh, it's, it's one of the most gratifying things about my job. At Port of Tacoma, Steve Kiggins, Northwest Now. Jason, thanks for coming to Northwest Now. Wanted to break out the environmental piece a little bit at the Port of Tacoma and uh, start with a little news. Had a boat fire down there recently. And, um, you know, the port doesn't just see a fire and think to itself, oh, gosh, I wonder what we're going to do. You guys have a plan for hazmat, fires, a lot of that kind of thing. Talk a little bit about how you dealt with that and what the plan is when it comes to environmental situations in the Port of Tacoma. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Um, always fun to talk about the Port of Tacoma. With specific to the boat fire, though, first of all, I'd like to have a shout out to the Unified Incident Command folks. That was led by the Coast Guard, the Tacoma Fire Department, Department of Ecology, and the Puyallup Tribes, along with Seaport and Port of Tacoma uh, leadership. So um, you're absolutely right. You know, once the fire was identified, uh, there was a, a massive engagement with that incident command. Um, the port played a key role in keeping our stakeholders informed, working closely with our waterway coordinators to make sure that they understood uh, what they could and couldn't do on that waterway, and then, of course, all of our tenants. Um, the way that typically works is our, our security department is, uh, is our eyes and ears out on, on the field. They'll notify us immediately, and then we'll uh, make sure that all the appropriate agencies, including the Coast Guard, Department of Ecology, are, are, are called and, um, and then really let them uh, guide. And then once the incident is, um, in this case, once the fire is put out, Port staff, including our engineering department and environmental department, will go out and assess the situation, look at all of our key infrastructure, and then report back on whatever uh, we, we learned from that incident. One of the good things that's happened to the port recently got some federal, nice federal funding for continued and remediation work and, and new initiatives for environmental work. Um, one of the things that you know I've heard from the port for a long time is the de decarbonization, and I know you're um, running point on that. Talk a little bit about what that is when it comes to fuels and shore power. How do you take a port that is just 
bustling with trucks and tractors and trains and everything else and decarbonize it? Yeah, great question. Something that we're really passionate about at the Port of Tacoma. Um, well, first of all, I want to start with the Northwest Ports Clean Air Strategy. We actually have a strategy that's been adopted by our commissioners that says we will get to zero emissions by 2050. In fact, our commissioners have asked us to look at, uh, look at expediting that to 2040, so we're in the process of doing that right now. So that's the big picture goal. But we're, and then as part of that, we've developed a five-year implementation plan. So things like shore power. We're in the process of developing and installing shore power at our Husky facility today. Really excited about that opportunity. And just to clarify, that's so a ship doesn't have to idle to make power, it plugs in and it can shut down its engines. Absolutely. Believe it or not, when a ship's at berth, it still needs to run its engines, mm -hmm. whether it's for reefers to keep things cold, for the staff that's, that are on the ship, and it still generates pollution. So the idea is that they'll turn off those auxiliary engines that burn diesel and plug into, in our case, Tacoma Public Utilities power uh, and reduce emissions. Other things that we're doing, we have a clean truck program that requires uh, 2008 or, or newer model year trucks. Those emit significantly less diesel particulate matter. Um, we're developing a cargo handling equipment incentive program so that our, our tenants and marine terminal operators will purchase zero emission or near zero emission equipment. It's really a comprehensive approach and yeah. it's a great partnership with many entities, including the Ports of Seattle, the Seaport Alliance, and the Port of Tacoma. Yeah, I can't think of an organization with more moving parts in it to try to decarbonize than a port. Yes. <laughs> with every mode of transportation taking place. Um, marine mammals, um, noise, whale versus ship con uh, conflicts, some crab monitoring, a lot going on with wildlife and with the preservation of wildlife. I want to break, we'll talk about fish next, but I want to break out the wildlife piece. Um, do you think we'll ever see a time at the port where, where it will be kind of like it was a little bit, where there'll be whales and there'll be wildlife running around or not, it's too industrial? Well, I'm super optimistic. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And um, so I do believe we will see a significant improvement. And let me tell you about a couple programs that we're doing at the Port of Tacoma specifically. Our habitat mitigation strategy, so when we go and create new habitat, it's solely focused on salmon recovery. Right. which is really, really significant because it starts with salmon. It starts with the juvenile salmon going out to the ocean and the adult salmon coming in to spawn. We recognize that that's a critical food source for our southern killer whale, resident uh, killer whale population. Um, in addition to that, we have worked closely with uh, the the uh, Quiet Sound program. In fact, the Port of Tacoma was one of the uh, funding partners for that. And that's specifically designed to study and look at for opportunities to slow down vessels so that we don't interfere with the Southern Resident Killer Whale feeding. Uh, that's been a great success. Um, we had a voluntary slowdown program this last fall and it, uh, we had over 50% compliance with that voluntary slowdown. And we're going to continue to monitor that and look for other ways where we can ensure not only that we're doing the most we can do for salmon recovery, but we're also looking out for uh, all marine mammals. Right, because it all they all tie together. Yes. Um, just before we started talking with you, we watched a piece from Steve Kiggins, who you and he went out and um, took a look at the, at both Wapato and Hyalbos Creeks. Um, are those done, or is there more to do in terms of? Is it just a matter of waiting for time and tide now to to, to bring in vegetation and and other life, or is there's still more more to implement there. Yeah, uh, on Lower Wapato, which is a beautiful habitat site, it's generational, and I would encourage all your viewers to go out and take a look. Um, we are in, 
in the final stages of uh, planting all of the habitat vegetation there. So lots of native trees, native plants, native um, uh, things like that. O uh, over thousands of plants are being planted right now in preparation for you know, the summer growth season. Once we've done that, um, we'll be, that site will be complete. But beyond that site, the Port of Tacoma has several habitat sites. Uh, Place of Circling Waters is an example off of Marine, Drew, Marine View Drive where you can go out and look and see what these generational investments about habitat and really focus on salmon recovery. And what's really exciting is we demonstrate to your previous question, you can do that next to and um, comprehensively and strategically to a working waterfront. A functioning port. port. A functioning port. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting work. Last 60 seconds or so here for you. You know, you talked about meeting att attainment goals for particulates through shore power and some of those things that have been an issue for a while. When you, in your strategic plan, when you're looking through your radar, what is the problem that you see that's like, we have to, we're doing all these things, this is great. This has got to be addressed. What is that? Yeah, really um, the focus right now in the next five years, in fact, we have a goal by 2030 to have shore power installed at all of our uh, international marine terminals and both in Seattle and Tacoma. That's if you had a million dollars and you wanted the biggest bang for your buck. So that's the big one. That's the big one. Yeah. Then we need to look at trucks. Trucks um, not only that serve our gateway, but they go through all the neighborhoods. We need to look at how we can get to zero emissions or near zero emissions with trucks and our cargo handling equipment. Great. Jason, great comprehensive look at everything that's going on with the port from an environmental perspective. I really appreciate you coming to Northwest now and I appreciate you taking Steve out for a nice tour. Thank you very much. All right, thanks for coming. The Port of Tacoma is something you see all the time, so it's easy to forget the role it plays in the South Sound economy. The bottom line, whether you notice it or not, thousands of people are at work 24-7, 365, bringing in and pushing out the goods that drive our local economy. I hope this program got you thinking and talking. To watch this program again or to share it with others, Northwest Now can be found on the web at kbtc.org, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Northwest Now. A streamable podcast of this program is available under the Northwest Now tab at kbtc.org and on Apple Podcasts by searching Northwest Now. That's going to do it for this edition of Northwest Now. Until next time, I'm Tom Lason. Thanks for watching.